Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Are you looking for a pair of sunglasses that are as about a good time as we are here at the corner booth? Well, look no further. Yeats official sunglasses are polarized, stylish, and fit any occasion. Enjoy it. Here at the corner booth, we each got a pair. We're rocking right now in studio. You want yours? Go to yeatsofficial.com, promo code cornerbooth for 10% off, and get your pair now. My personal recommendation, the Aquas... You are now in the Corn Roof Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corner of the Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside my co-host, Matt Ordazzo. We had an incredible, incredible wildcard weekend. The only bad game was the first game. Um, that wasn't even had... a bad game. I mean, after about... In the first it was... half, it was good. Yeah. And then, mm. you know, the second half started, and I was like, oh, oh there it is. Ooh. Four, four minutes ago per ESPN, I guess when they asked uh, Justin Jefferson on a potential extension from the Vikings, he said, I mean, I will be wherever I'm wanted. If they want me here, then I'll be here. Does not sound, not like it to play that out of, you know, proportion, but usually when anybody wants to stay with their team, they usually just say that. Yeah. They don't um, just dance around that. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Rough. Uh, well, let's just hit the couple headlines quick. Let's get some college out of the way. Um, TCU standouts, Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson are both are both declaring for the draft, as well as CJ Stroud. <clears throat> Jim Harbaugh is staying in Michigan. Sean Payton is now apparently open to going to the Texans. That's a first. Um, let's see any other good headlines. Nobody cares about the WBA. Whoop! Who said that? <laughs> Edit that one. 20... Nah, I'll, I'll say it. It's not because they're women. It's because nobody watches the games. That's basically it. I had to watch women's college basketball because I did it for an internship. Dude, those girls can ball. It's just a problem. Is nobody goes. That's the problem. It's there. There's nothing yeah. about them being women. There's some. There are some women I've seen fucking ball WNBA games. Like yo, they got better ball skills than eight percent in the NBA. But nobody's gonna go. Nobody's yeah. gonna go watch. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen many. Well, I've seen many WNBA. I've seen a couple of games, and um, 
they definitely play hard. It's always great games. Like you said, nobody comes out. But one one way I knew that it wasn't as popular as I thought it was going to be, I was I was interning at the uh, arena in Bridgeport. And for everybody that doesn't know where that is, it's a very hey, small arena. Yeah, it's a very small arena that holds about 8,000 people, give or take. So, so around that number, it's not a large one. We hosted the WNBA All-Star Game one year. So if you're you know, hosting the WNBA All-Star and you're in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you hold 8,000 people, you're not that popular. So that's when I realized, oh, okay, this because I saw Brittany Griner like straight, like live, like ten feet from me. I was like, holy shit! I was like, I feel like she should not be in Bridgeport right now. Um, I feel like you said about a lot of celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Bridgeport's a dump. Um, they literally yeah. make fun of it in Family Guy. That's how. That's how bad it was. Um, it's, not, it's a. It's a rough area. All right. So uh, one last headline. Apparently, r- reportedly, allegedly. Alabama's Darius Miles is one of two men charged with capital murder in a fatal shooting early Sunday morning. Darius Miles, of course, the standout basketball player from Alabama. Yikes. Um, I want to make a joke about Alabama basketball having a killer instinct, but I feel like that's in bad taste. (laughs) Yeah, that kid's life is... uh, He's done. He's doing 25. He's he's staring down life. All right, any reactions to college news? I mean, the TCU guys in Stroud declaring was a no-brainer to me. Harbaugh staying. Tiny bit surprised, but then again, like, I think it was the best move for him. Where yeah, but it just, it, it just buys us another, what, maybe two seasons until we start the whole, is Harbaugh coming back to the NFL debate again? That's never going to die. I mean, if he, as long... if he keeps coaching shitty like he does, I don't think he'll get another shot. Oh, he'll get something. Somebody. I bet you that. I bet you the Jets would be, be in the one He'll be in the rumor mill. I yeah, you know always. it'll it'll kind of like Matt's saying I feel like it'll every two or or every year or every other year or every two years you know as long as Michigan's competing for the Big Ten ship mm-hmm. or you know trying to get in the playoff he'll probably be in the rumor mill. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly I look at Harbaugh as a coach, and it really just comes down to like, hey. What do you think about him as a coach? And my biggest thing is could never close the big game. Close he ever came was that Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman, end of the game. Uh, not Mike Crabtree. Yeah, Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman. And then he goes up against the Ray, his brother in the Harbaugh Bowl and just couldn't get it off. I think it was Ladarius Webb who knocked the ball down. Maybe Ed Reed. I don't even fucking know. That game was so long ago. Either way, like, it's just he can never close. And, I mean, look. They could lost to TCU. Then they got their ass kicked the year before by Georgia. Before that, it was a string of failures against Ohio State. I, I mean, I sense a common theme here, but then again, some NFL team is going to take a sh- some NFL team gave Cliff Kingsbury a fucking shot. So there you go. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely. I think the only thing that's really stopping him from being, I think, a highly sought after candidate is just like you said, the fact that he has a long history with not getting the job done when it matters the most. So like, you could bring him into the NFL. Probably get you into the playoffs. Um, you're gonna be playing those one and done games where you need to win and move on, or win and take the whole thing home. And he has not proven that he can do that, even at the college level. So, I mean, if you can't do that at the college level, you can do that at the professional level. Fair. All right. Ready to talk some ball? Always. Let's Speaking play. of ball, anybody see these mock drafts with Will Levis going number one? I love it. I mean, like. 
I have not, but I hope I don't. This is the second one I've seen, and I'm I, I'm literally just like I, I'm like, am I missing something? I mean, the kid's got a got like a lot of upside, like physical gifts wise, but he's got the decision making skills of year one, Dan Danny Dimes, man. Like I, I'm like, what are you doing? Did he, did he miss time this year? Like, did yeah, he miss games. He missed a couple games. Because he had, I was looking at his stat line, and he had like 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and he had like 2,400 yards. Also, I wasn't Mark sure how many Stoops, games he missed. Also, Mark Stoops is one of the worst head coaches in the, in the SEC. Like, I think yeah. besides, I think even Vandy's got a better head coach. Well, okay, I mean, even, even last year, I, I think he's, he had under 3,000 yards this year and last year. And I'm looking at these stats and everything. I'm like, this does not scream number one overall to me, obviously. But it would be classic Texans to pass on Bryce Young or Stroud. And just go right to Will Levis. That would be that would be something, man. So, do y'all have a source? I just want to take a look at these full mocks. Y'all Make have like a source. To inspect the work. I gotta what? Make city who, city who do you got, Matt? I gotta find. It's one of those things where you just kind of get like you pop on Twitter and it just there's like screenshots okay. of it. But I gotta find some. Uh, I'll find some mocks and send those over. So I see. I see here. It's a 247 article. Mel Kuyper has Will Levis as the top quarterback in 2023 NFL draft. And this is from December 9th, so almost yeah. over a month ago, which is insane. Um, what, that that means that that was well before Stroud's, you know, insane performance in the semifinal. Yeah. He, was, he was already calling a shot and saying Levis – uh, better well, than Stroud uh, and Bryce Young. About 10 hours ago, CBS put a mock draft out that said that Bears were going to trade up to one and take Will Levis. Oh, my gosh. And then that would be the Texans at number two taking Bryce Young. Oh, no, the Bears have the first overall pick. I'm sorry, they didn't trade. So they, they, they're they saying they're passing on Justin Fields and going right for Will Levis. You know what? I, I have a feeling that if – you know, because if Stroud doesn't go in the top two, that means that he's probably not going to go till seven, eight, nine, ten area. And I have a feeling that it's it's just going to be Panthers, like sir. we have seen so many times before, man. Where <clears throat> this dude gets passed on by multiple teams, and just you know, pretty much just remembers exactly which teams passed on him, and just comes oh, yeah. out and just balls like. From the jump, he does what Josh Rosen said he was going to do, but does it pretty much. Yeah. All right. So, Matt, you and me are tied right now um, with nine apiece. Mason, you are you um, you didn't have an upset pick when we picked Thursday. So I just gave you the bucks as your upset. You picked them with me. So he might. if you unless you want to flip. Is he alive? I think he might have froze because on my screen he's frozen. Yeah, you're. But I'm not you're sure. Half, you're uh, half of mine too. There he is. He has changed it. focus. All right. I forgot what we asked him. You may. You got to unmute yourself. My Wi-Fi is lagging. Sorry. That's all good. Um. So you never picked an upset on Thursday. Do you want to take the Bucks as your upset, or you want to switch and go with the Cowboys? This last shot. I think his uh, Wi-Fi is crapping out again. 
Shit. <laughs> well, Matt, you may either even if he does pick the Bucks, um, this is the tiebreaker between us. So either you, if the if the Cowboys win, you win the week with eleven. I finish with nine. If I win with the Bucks, I finish with eleven. You finish with nine. And Mason, depending on who he picks, will either have if he takes the Bucks, he'll have um, nine tied with you and me. Oh no, tied with you. Or he'll have six and be in last place. Mm. So there you go. I got to say that explanation was perfect considering in my end, the law and order intro music is on. So like mm-hmm. you just coming up with that, just imagine. And then your explanation is perfect. Perfect. Yeah, you're, you're the fucking giant saved your ass. Cause I was about to go, I was about to drop a honey spot. Yeah, that was luck. Um, no, I don't know. I, I just had a feeling. I had a feeling they were doing it. Plus, uh, some of the picks it just kind of worked out because I was trying to have mine a little spread out, so it wasn't the same as everybody's. And that just happened to just be a perfect one to take the other one on. Kirk Cousins in non one o'clock games, man. And he even play bad. It's not even really him. He even play bad. But that fourth and eight pass was a god awful. What the fuck was I, he aiming at? All right, we'll, we'll talk. About I, I, uh, Do you want Bucks or Cowboys tonight? Me? Be la- I'm taking. I, I'm taking Bucks. I'm, I'm going. Okay, still. So- if you if the Bucks win, you and Matt are tied for second. I win the week, but if the Cowboys win, you're in last with six. I'm in second with nine. Matt wins with eleven. Sweet. Yeah, you kind of got hosed with the Chargers and the uh, Vikings. Dang, did I take Vikings? Yeah, it says MR next to J, so you took Vikings. Damn. Okay, for because I'm in this. Um... I'm in this uh, pool with some guys from school, and I took Giants on there, and I was the only guy in the pool to take Giants. So, whatever. Yeah, I, don't, but, I, I wrote it down for that reason because Matt Lone Wolf and took the uh, took the Giants. So I'm like, I don't know, but um, I second guess myself, man. Dang yeah, it. Matt. Remember t- for Thursday, text your picks into me before you uh, do whatever yeah, you got to sure. do. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have Josh Mayer from uh, Rising the Occasion is gonna be on. I may have DJ fill in for Matt. Or Duckman, or one of the two, just one of them who actually knows how the show works. So, Mace, you can kind of just be you. I like you being you. I don't need you with the extra stress of being my sidekick during the week. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, Mace, as long as you commit, that'd be great. So, I'll, I'll figure it out, obviously. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go. It's time for the comedy part of this program. We break down how bad we are at gambling. Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick that rock music. All righty. Starting off in. Oh, the Bay Area. I don't know what stunk worse, the street covered in feces or the fact that the Seahawks offensive performance in the second half. Holy shit. I swear to God, no pun intended, the Seahawks in the second half made more mistakes than a, than a drunk guy trying to write an essay. It was bad. The, the fumbles, the interceptions, the false starts, the holdings, the offensive linemen downfield. You know, those 49ers were the better team, but they made it a lot easier on the goddamn 49ers to win. The Seahawks needed to play perfect, and they did not. 49ers win. Chargers and Jaguars. How do you blow a 27-point lead? I mean, I love it. Hmm. Lawrence was dealing. Doug P and the boys were rolling. But the Chargers, this just shows how much, I think Mason said it best in our, in our, our group chat. He's got to be fired after this. If he's not, this just shows how inept the Spanos family is at running an organization. 
the fact of the matter is, it's not Herbert's fault. It's not Eckler's fault. It's Brandon Staley's fault. He calls the plays. He got Mike Williams injured in week 18. There's no excuse. This guy is a doofus. All righty. Giants and Vikings. Listen, the Giants had a great game plan. They executed to perfection. Kirk, what the fuck was that throw on fourth and eight? You realize the sticks are over there. You aim past the sticks to get the first down. Because if you throw a pick, it's going to be incomplete anyway. Jesus. It, 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 it was even covered. It wasn't even like it was open. All right. Ravens Bengals. Watching Sam Hubbard haul ass down that field made me think of the time I had to run a 5K. But <laughs> that being said, man, the Ravens played hard. It makes you think how much they don't fucking like Lamar anymore. Also, shout out to Mike Dick for saying what we were all thinking. Lamar's milking this to get out of his contract. He's going to get hurt. I understand why he's doing it, but it's a dick move. Your team is in the playoffs. Shout out to Tyler Huntley for being a good sport. I'm not calling you Snoop. All right, Cowboys, Bucks is tonight. I'll break that down on the Thursday show. Go Bucks! Perfect. Do you, uh, do you guys see J.K. Dobbins' uh, quote? He, uh, um, uh, I saw the Marlon Humphrey quote. I didn't the see Marlon Humphrey quote. quote. Was like, oh, perfect. So I'll explain the J.K. Dobbins one to you, and then you guys can explain the Marlon Humphrey one to me because I missed that one. But Dobbins pretty much was – he was pretty much saying like he's frustrated that he didn't get any he didn't get any like carries pretty much like he's like I only got 12 carries this is the playoffs like give me the ball I want to participate I want to help this team win he then said that Tyler Huntley should never have been in that position with the QB sneak on third and goal where they were like two yards out and he was short by like a mile but he said he should Tyler Huntley should never have been in that position and Lamar pretty much we would have won the game if Lamar played so he's he's displaying his frustration with his role with the team and, you know, believes that, you know, Lamar, if he played, they would have won the game. Not saying he should have played. He's just saying if he did, they would have won. So, Jared, do you want me to paraphrase the Marlin quote? Yeah, paraphrase. I mean, I heard some of it, but it was like I was I also had a customer walking in. So I'm like, all right, phone down. So anyway, the, the question was basically, you know, obviously you see some of the things in the locker room and the facility that the media people don't, you know, where would you estimate, uh, you know, how healthy would you say Lamar is? And do you think he could have played? And he was like, well, you know, I'd probably say at this moment in time, he's like at anywhere between like 50 and 60%. And, you know, people from the media and people outside of the facility don't see this dude like walking around the facility just like limping basically you know every single day um and so he kind of was like taking Lamar's side it seemed like just saying like look man you know we, we all know the contract negotiations haven't gone the way that the Ravens wanted him to but I mean this dude just he, he can't play like mm-hmm. you know he's he's playing he's walking on one leg here like mm-hmm. so my biggest thing about the Lamar Jackson situation is this, that I understand why he did not want to play. I get that. But the other side of me also says, hey, like, you got, like, even the effort to play. Like, at least with the Hurts situation, I know it was a different, it's a different injury altogether, but with Hurts, it was like the dude was trying to fight Sirianni to get on the field. With with Jackson, the vibe just feels off. Like the like, and 
I don't know, man. I it's just I, I I side with Jackson here because, like, dude, if he he gets hurt even worse or tear something, that man ain't getting paid. If he is, he's getting a fraction of what he thinks. So I understand why, but it's it's not the best look optics wise. I'd say is the the way to word this without pissing anybody off. I would yeah. agree because the the speculation, you know, it, it seems like throughout this whole like saga. The Ravens and Harbaugh and the front office and all of the people like in the Ravens organization who you would probably hear from about this situation have mm-hmm. have not been very um, transparent and open and sort of given a lot of details about this injury. You know, pretty yeah. much every single time Harbaugh asked, is asked about the injury, like, you know, at the beginning of the week of practice, he's like, no comment. You know, don't have any further update. No comment on the injury. Um, we're planning on rolling with Huntley this week. And so it's it's like this weird sort of dynamic where I'm sure everyone in the Ravens organization is like kind of mad at Lamar because he's not playing. But, you know, it's like, what what can you do, man? Like, it's a, it's a weird situation, you know, like. Yeah, I um, the vibe that I've been kind of getting is that it, it kind of feels like everybody in the organization, like higher up and, and above, like uh, coaching staff up to upper management level, like they all they all kind of seem frustrated when they get on that topic of it. And I almost feel like it's because like maybe they feel like he can't play if he just throws something on us the playoffs and they're like just go out there and win the game. And then I think there's Lamar who's like, listen, um, the doctors are telling me this, and I don't feel comfortable playing on this because I'm not trying to cause further damage and miss more time. So it kind of seems like, you know, Lamar being like, I don't feel like I'm, I'm not being told that I'm 100% clear. I don't feel healthy enough to play. And then coaching staff thinking that he just needs to suck it up and get out there, which it's tough because like, you know, John Harbaugh who has been around for a long time. He was around when, you know, Philip Rivers was playing the AFC championship game with a torn ACL, you know, so he's, he's, he's old school in the sense of he's pretty much like, you know, rub some dirt on it, get out there and like, we'll take care of this in February. But um, obviously now new day players aren't aren't like that and i'm not saying that's right or wrong i just i think it's a matter of like old school and new school kind of clashing because one yeah. person takes maybe health a little more seriously than the other it feels like because he um, also was not happy with the reporter's comments you could tell he was already frustrated before that half even started yeah what's well let's change gears a little we'll talk about so the one we're not doing 25 seconds let's do five minute game okay five minutes per game open season we'll kind of keep this one moving a little bit but Anybody else a little bit like, all right, the Ravens put up a big, <clears throat> the Ravens put up a fight. <clears throat> like there wasn't, like I was expecting a beatdown. And the Ravens fought pretty fucking hard for this game. Yeah, I, w- I was not expecting this to be a one possession game. I thought this was going to be something where the uh, the Bengals took the lead. Because I was telling, you know, anybody that I was talking to about this game, the Bengals, I mean, the, the Ravens without Lamar, they they put up 16, 17 points per game. Like, they never really put up 20 points or more. Like, they're a very low-scoring defense shows up kind of team without Lamar Jackson. And that's what happened last this past night. They scored 17 points, which is what I figured they were going to cap out at. So, like, if the Bengals can score more than 17, they're going to win this game. It's just a matter of how much more are they going to score. And I thought this was going to be a two-possession victory anywhere from – you know, 10 to 14 points. Um, and it, they, they came down to the wire. And if it wasn't for that Sam Howard, you know, touchdown, they probably would have been looking at overtime possibly. Um, 
So it's it's not what I expected, which which is the complete opposite of bad. I was hoping this was going to be a really good game, which is what it turned out to be, and I'm I'm very pleased with the outcome in the sense of that it was closer than you know everybody thought it was going to be. I I think my biggest thing with this game is that I think I think the Bengals are one of those weird teams. Like they just I think one well credit off to the Ravens defense. They were flying around. They were making plays, and let's be honest, that Sam Hubbard uh, strip uh, scoop and score, that's the difference. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all, I, listen, I got to clap it up for the Ravens' defense, man. They played fucking hard. Like, they earned their paychecks, man. Like, Roquan, Marlon, Marcus, the boys, Marcus Williams, they all earned their paychecks. I mean, the offense? They did what they could do. I think that was – Honestly, a max performance from the Ravens. So I think this is more the Bengals getting that lucky turnover. <clears throat> Good. And uh, Sam Hubbard running out to the house. That's that's it. That, that's the game. So I think next week's going to be interesting because I believe the Bengals play who? Uh, Bills, I think it is. Bengals. They play the Bills. Yeah. Okay. And then it's Chiefs Chargers. Yeah. Chiefs, uh, not Chargers. Sorry, Jaguars. Chiefs Jags. Dude, Chiefs Jags, I love how that line is not as big as it should be. <clears throat> it should be plus like 540 for the Jaguars for the line. They're giving yeah. the Jaguars way too much credit. I'm like, fuck, that means the Chiefs are gonna kill them. That right. line's not big enough for an upset. Like it's where like with Vegas with like a team that should be covering, the line's too close. But um, Mace, what do you think about this game before we move on to uh the uh, nightcapper? Yeah, man. Um, so I, on this on this Ravens Bengals game, I can't remember which of you guys said it on last Thursday's show, but it was very apparent that the Bengals were lacking on the O line. Man, I think Burrow got sacked four or five times, and I mean he did not really look comfortable. There were a couple of times where he was. You know, there were pressures and he was able to kind of evade sacks and maybe run um, and pick up a couple yards. But, I mean, you know, we kind of saw it last season when the O-line was like the only sort of issue with the Bengals and probably why they in- they didn't end up winning the Super Bowl. Um, when Burrow has plenty of time to make a throw in the pocket, they, you know, could be considered the best team in the league. But when this guy gets hurried, when this guy gets pressured, when he doesn't have as much time as he wants in the pocket, you know, he looks extremely average. And and when you look at this line from last night from Burrow, 23 for 32, 209, a TD and no interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they put up 24 points of offense. I mean, only 209 yards at home. I mean, that's that's definitely below average. And to compare that to Huntley, I mean, Huntley had more touchdowns and passing yards than than Burrow last night. So I think that says a lot about, you know, the kind of state of the Bengals going into next week's game against Buffalo. And we all know Buffalo didn't have the cleanest game, but kind of like you you guys both said, you know, you got to tip your cap to the Ravens defense. Completely sold out. Played about a clean, as clean of a game as they probably like possibly could have. You know, maybe I guess they could have had an interception or a fumble or some kind of takeaway. But I mean, you know, holding the Bengals to 24 points, man, 
that's as much as you can really ask for, right? I mean, I know you've got oh, the yeah. backup quarterback in, but you know, they they played outstanding. Oh yeah. And, and other than that, that goal line fumble for a you know return for a touchdown, man. We're looking at OT, like you said, Jared. I mean, that that's just the reality of the of the matter. Yeah. All righty, moving backwards, we're going to go to the 430 game. <clears throat> Again, I broke my poor father's heart. The Vikings and the Giants. Let's be honest. The, Vi- the, the Vikings and Giants both played good games. I think the biggest kicker was the Giants got started faster. And it really came down to the fact that they were able to get down the field, score points, get up 17-7, before the Vikings could wake up with that uh, with that touchdown from my boy KJ Osborne, shout out. And what the biggest thing to me that I'm starting to notice with the Vikings is if they fall behind, they fold. Like the Vikings Bills game was different because the Vikings stayed in it, but this game kind of felt like the Vikings were always playing catch up. And I think it just the Giants were ready to rock and roll, where I believe I think the Vikings were like half asleep. I think the Vikings came and thinking they were going to roll the Giants, and the Giants came and fired up and ready to rock them all. Now, see if they have that same kind of gas next week when they roll into Philly. Or are they going to get their heads kicked in, or is it going to be a, a shootout? I don't know. Either way, I think the Giants this week definitely earned the victory. I'm not putting this on Kirk except for that last one. That last one was the only complaint I have about his entire game. So, Yeah, that was um, – it was – I know I picked the Giants to win, which I obviously believe that they win. That's why I picked them. But they, it was just a more of a dominant performance on their end than I thought there was actually going to be. I was expecting this to be a, a like just a very much like the back and forth type of game, which is which is what it turned out to be. But I, I guess I just wasn't expecting this good of a performance. Like Daniel Jones completed twenty four of thirty five passes for three hundred one yards and two touchdowns. He also had seventy eight yards rushing on the ground. He outrushed Saquon Barkley. He threw. So look, look at this. He threw 35 passes and ran 17 times, with a combined total of about 379 yards. So I, I thought he played as good as you could hope for him to play, especially when Saquon had nine carries. He had five receptions. But Hodgins is looking like an absolute stud of a pickup from uh, Joe Shane. Eight receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Everybody just did their job. Daniel Jones played elite. Kirk Cousins also had a great game. 33, 31 to 39 for 273 yards and two touchdowns. They both pretty much had identical games minus the rushing on Daniel Jones's part. But at the end of the day, that defense came down to it. I mean, like we were talking about, the, the Vikings' whole right side of the line was pretty much hurt. They attacked. They attacked on that. They brought him down. They applied a lot of pressure to Kirk Cousins. And uh, I listen at the end of the day, what lost that game for them? I think, like we mentioned, was that fourth and eight pass. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. It was a check down. I can understand a check down pass, but the linebacker was right on Hawkinson. Like as soon as he touched that ball, that guy already had him wrapped up, bringing him down behind the line. So it wasn't even like he had separation. That's why I was more shocked that he made that play. I think defense got in his face quickly, and he just he panicked did what you shouldn't do which is panic throw and especially on fourth and eight and it did not go in their favor but shout out to the giants they had a complete game in the sense of offense showed up defense showed up um i think they're going to give the eagles a lot of um you know i'd say competition for the game i don't think it's going to be a freaking dog fight i'm not going to oh yeah it's going to be 
It's going to be a dogfight. I don't think it's going to be something, obviously, where the, you know, Philly winds up beating them like 41 to like 22. But it won't be the first be... meeting. It won't be the first meeting. I'm going to no. be It's, it's going to be a great game, but they, they showed a lot, a lot more heart than a lot of people think. And, you know, it's always, it always means more than when a team can send the home team home in their own stadium and they can advance and travel to the next one. So good, good job to the Giants. And uh, it looks like they have everything they need right now in place. Mace. Yeah, Matt, brother, I, I think you said it perfectly, man. Like, this is as good as Daniel Jones can play, right? I mean, pretty much total yardage, slightly under 400 total yards. You know, while running the ball 17 times. I mean, I think that's crazy that they let him run the ball 17 times just in general. But 301 passing, two TDs. No turnovers. I mean, that is as good as you're going to get. And and I think, personally, I don't know if he if he has a game like that against Philly um, next weekend. But I mean, I, I think Giants fans are at this moment in time. You got to be very pleased, right, with the with the performance on both sides of the ball yesterday. Jones with pretty much a flawless game, and I mean, the defense played great, holding this. Minnesota offense to 24 points is is outstanding. I mean, that just doesn't happen, right? Like this this Vikings team has been a juggernaut on the offensive end all season long. I mean, you look at Cousins' line here; he didn't even play bad. 31 for 39, 273, two TDs, no picks. So, I mean, it's not even like Cousins played bad. It's just, I mean, honestly, they kind of got the short end of the stick with this game, and things just kind of didn't go their way. I mean, New York just kind of outplayed them. That's kind of the way I think about it. And, um, you know, hey, man, maybe the Giants, because, I mean, anytime you play these in-division teams for the third time in a season, anything can happen. You know, you know what they're going to do, man. And I mean, I, that's that's why I feel like the Ravens played the Bengals so tight last night is because they, they know their tendencies. They know what they're going to do. They've seen, you know, coverages before. They, they know all about this team. So I, I think next weekend's game with Philly can be close, but I, I still like Philly winning that game at home. I will not make my pick till Thursday, but um, <laughs> I'm going to say it's going to be a long week for me dealing with Giants fans and just trying to not lose my head with them. So I guess that's the right way to put it. Um, uh, I mean, right, hey, Nick- man, they, they have reason to be optimistic, though, right, Jared? I mean, Jones is looking like he can finally just kind of hold his own out there, man, and, and the run game looks good. You know, if they if they actually had like a decent number one receiver, man, this team would be really scary. Like yeah. this team would be a total sleeper to like honestly, I kind of think win the Super Bowl, man. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that they're they're working with Isaiah Hodgins, you know, is like the number one guy. Is yeah, know, like I want to see. Like I think also like like that everyone's talking about. Oh, like Eagles almost lost them week eighteen. I'm like, guys, that was like a preseason game plan. I hope y'all realize they basically ran quick slants and goes the entire game. Nick said, right. "We're gonna beat them, but we're gonna not try too hard. Nobody gets hurt." Right. So, all right. Next up on the list, we're switching the music up again. We're going oh to this game. 
Jesus Christmas. Bills Dolphins. The game that killed my parlay before it even got off the ground. <laughs> oh my god. How do you not cover? I he's a 25 year old rookie. He's Stetson Bennett, but not as good looking. <laughs> Dude, so many drop passes. So many dropped passes. Oh, I mean, this kid, this there's there's times where I'm watching this kid play, and I'm like, this kid actually looks like he he can work the ball around the field. Like he doesn't look bad. And then there's yeah, then there's the two interceptions. Like, yeah, yeah and then there's the interceptions. Like then there's going 18 for 45. Then there's the dropped passes <laughs> by his receivers and his backs. I mean, this was like statistically nobody really had like Tyree kill had seven catches for 69 yards. Nothing like that. It's a great receptions, but yardage wise, it's kind of average. I mean, besides that Savannah med had more passes or more yardage than Jalen Waddle did for receptions. He had 15 more. He had one more passing yard than him. I thought it was different, but like Waddle only had 44 reception yards. Um, they the ball was not really worked around that much, but they they kept it within three points. It's it's insane. You analyze the stats of how shitty everybody kind of did, but the fact that they kept it a 34-31 game, and it's probably because Josh Allen threw two interceptions, obviously. But oh, yeah. um, it just Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis haven't just look at this seven for one fourteen, which was Diggs. Gabe Davis six for one thirteen that touchdown identical. It, it's it's insane, and it's just not the game I thought we were going to get. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I didn't expect it to be three points. Um, Tua in this game, they probably would have, they probably could have won that game with Tua. They almost won with Skylar Thompson, but Tua, they I think, and if the game played the exact same way that we just saw it with Tua at quarterback, I think Miami would have won that game. Yeah. Um, but right now, you got a vaping Mike McDaniel on the sideline. I expect him to keep his job, but the fact that the 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 fact that he he admitted on that fourth down, a fourth and one delay of game that they thought that they were preparing a first and ten play, they didn't realize that they were on a fourth and one, and they got the delay of game. That's on the coach right there. So yeah, that cost them that game in a sense. But we'll, we'll, I'm sure he's going to be safe after that. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I also think Lamar Jackson will be a Miami Dolphin next year. We talked about it on Thursday, obviously, but you know I think that. The two uh, and Elvis backups era in Miami is coming to a close. I think Stephen Ross is like, all right, another year, another season ends because Tua can't stay healthy. Yeah, it's, be, and I don't be... think I think Ross knows he's got to get they, they got to win because the Dolphins organization has been too bad for too long. Mace, what did you think about this Bills Dolphins game before I go? Yeah, man. I mean, Allen, brother, like. This dude's just got to, like, chill. I mean, he's got to chill with the red zone interceptions. Like, this whole, like, God comp. Like, I, I, I really like Josh Allen. To me, he's better than Mahomes. He has potential to be better than Mahomes. Um, I know some people agree with that. Some people don't. But, but for that to sort of – for people to agree with that, man, he's got to quit with this, like, God complex. I can make whatever throw possible. And, and quit with these just horrible interceptions that he throws, man. I mean, this line is, like, pretty insane. 23 for 39, 352 passing yards. Um, he had 20 rushing yards, three TDs, two picks, and a fumble. You know, I mean, like, 
it's just like he's kind of like all over the place, man. Like, you know, if he could quit with the turnovers, I mean, this guy would be the MVP. But, I mean, he has so many bad interceptions, man, that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I prefer them to the Bengals next week just because I don't think the Bengals are, are that playing that great right now anyway. So the Bills might get lucky. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that the Dolphins were even in this game, man. Like, if, if Skylar Thompson, you know, goes pick free in this game, they might just win this game. Um, the defense for the Dolphins played outstanding. I know they gave up 34 points, but forcing three turnovers against this Bills offense is impressive. Um, and as you kind of said, Matt, so many drop passes, man. So many like big plays that could have happened for the Dolphins that didn't because my man Waddle just forgot to to catch balls, to catch passes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyreek was kind of shut down. He had, let's see here. He had seven receptions for 69 total yards, no TDs. You know, when, when your two best receivers combined for a little over 110 receiving yards, man, you know, and they had a total of 10 combined receptions. Like, I mean... I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, you're not going to win that many games when your two best um, offensive weapons just kind of like go out there and ghost. I mean, I know they're rocking with the third string QB, so they're limited in what they can do, man. But to be honest with you, man, the the Bills got away with one here. And if they play the same next week, they're they're losing for sure. I mean, they're not going to get away with turning the ball over three times. Um. And just playing like really sloppy, like just oh, a yeah. very underwhelming Allen performance last or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Oh yeah. Uh, my honestly got opinion on this game. I'll I'll put it simply like this. <clears throat> um, like the Dolphins played at, we're playing on rookie mode, and the uh, Bills are playing on all pro. The Bills made more mistakes I could count. I mean, there were some plays. I'm like, okay, this is still the Bills. That 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 dip, deep ball to uh, Diggs. I'm like, yep, drop it in the bucket, Joshy. <laughs> the throws to Dig to Dawson Knox. I'm like, Josh um, Cooks runs. I'm like, dude, like this this team's not bad. They just cannot put a complete quarter together. They have one exactly. good drive, then they have a turnover, then two more good drives, and another turnover. And they're gonna end up playing a team like Philly or KC. Oh my God! Why is that so loud? I'm sorry about that. Um, mm-hmm. I got police texting me asking me, like, "Hey, let's play Call of Duty." I'm like, "I'm recording, dude. Leave me alone." Um, mm-hmm. I will say this, right? I think the Bills are still the best team in the AFC, but they look really freaking vulnerable. I agree, Matt. I I 100% agree, Jared. Just to briefly touch on on that last point, man. Like, you know. If you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through Kansas City, man. You're going to have to play KC at home. And to beat Kansas City, you're going to have to put together four complete, you know, good quarters, man. Where where you don't turn the ball over. You don't have these crummy mistakes like they were making yesterday. You're going to have to play a clean game, man. 
Yeah. Um, and until they do that, like, you know, I'm with you, man. I, I think they are easily the best team in the AFC, but they just, they make so many sort of like, I wouldn't call it young mistakes, but it's like, Alan, dude, like you, you gotta step it up at some point, man. You have to quit with these, like he, I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe he kind of sees like Mahomes make these like insane throws that Mahomes does like, you know, once a week. And then, you know, just says like, okay, well, I'm going to try and make these throws too. And then tries to make them and they're interceptions. So they, they've got to quit with that, man. Allen just needs to chill out, make the right throws, be smarter, and, and they can – you know, get to the Super Bowl, like for sure. Okay. All right, uh, let's get the Saturday games rolling in. We okay, we'll do the 49ers Seahawks first because we kind of touched on it already. We'll make this one quick and then we'll break down the probably the best game of the weekend: Chargers versus Jaguars. Uh, at least the most compelling. So that being said, look at the shine of my shame, bro. What the hell? All right, <laughs> um, I'm like I'm like a seagull getting mesmerized with it. Um, Speaking of seagulls, that's what the Seahawks are right now. They're not the Seahawks, the Seagulls. Like they they were just like, I don't know what the hell happened in the second half. The game plan was on point. They couldn't stop DK Metcalf. And Gino made two bad turnovers, but he played great other than those two turnovers, which is unfortunate. But the 49ers are the better team. Brock Purdy got to sit back, chuck 10 yard out in routes and out routes and hand the ball to McCaffrey. Living the dream, man. Somebody said they're, they're like the 0-2 Oakland Raiders. I was like, oof. Because <laughs> that Raiders team was fucking loaded. They had two elite receivers, a overrated quarterback, and I'm like saying Purdy's overrated. I'm saying they had MVP Rich Gannon. So, um, yeah. I, just, you know what? Ass beating. That's what it was. Seahawks are overwhelmed from start to finish. I feel like the Lions have been a way better matchup. Yeah. Um... This is the I'm sorry, this is the Seahawks one. Yeah, yep. Seagulls versus 49ers. Seagulls, that's what got me confused. I heard Seagulls. Um, but a, a very good game, a very good game in the first half. Um, I believe, I believe it was 17, 16 and a half. See, Seahawks were in the lead at the yes. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, wow, is um, you know, is Brock Purdy? Is this the game that he's going to choose to? Uh, cement his legacy as you know I'm, i can't get it done for this franchise in the playoffs right now i know that's that's very far-fetched but i mean as you think about it you break it down he's a he's a mr relevant seventh round rookie that's playing in his first nf ever nfl you know career um regular season i think he went what he went six or eight games in a row in the regular season didn't lose one game comes into the playoffs and you pretty much i mean if you're looking at it, he's fighting for his job like not saying he's obviously you know getting cut or anything like that but he's trying to show john lynch like i'm the quarterback you guys should build around next year like forget trey lance forget jimmy garoppolo forget tom brady or anybody you think about bringing in here it should be brock birdie and this guy came back from a 17 to 16 halftime and just unloaded i mean he had he went 18 for 30 for 332 yards and three touchdowns they wound up finishing this game 41 to 23 defense only let the seahawks score six points in that last half while they went on to score 25 points um McCaffrey had a very good game. Debo had a great game. Ayuk had a great game. He didn't use Kittle a lot, to my surprise. They had a very good connection. I thought maybe they would have used him a little more instead of you know him only having, I think, two catches for 37 yards. But um, just overall, 
even though it was a blowout at the end, it was so close in the beginning that to me it still made it a really good game. Um, Geno Smith had a, you know, 25 for 35, 253 yards. He had that interception, those two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker was very, very quiet. Um, DK Metcalf was also – had a great game. Um, it was Tyler Lockett that, who had the, the okay game. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I think at the end of the day it's just the defense because the Seahawks, they relied on everybody. That's their powerhouse. I mean, Kenneth Walker could have had more involvement if they weren't down so far in the at the end, but DK Metcalf showed up. Um, I'm sure they're going to stick with Geno Smith. I think he deserves to stay around next year. Uh, so if I'm Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, I'm riding with him next year, at least you know, giving him that in the year to see if he can do some more with some more weapons. Um, but listen, Brock Purdy is keeping it going, man. I mean, just when you think this kid might be done, he just pulls it out. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, if they playing the winner of tonight's game. Uh, yeah. Yes. So honestly, he already beat Tom Brady. And this is a Niners team that can definitely beat the the Cowboys. So I'm thinking Brock Purdy might have a nice, a nice cushiony ride into the NFC Championship if uh, even if the Bucks win this game because, like I said, they already beat them and it, the game's going to be back in in the Bay. Um, so I'm excited to see what Brock Purdy can do next week. But overall, in my opinion, um, better game than I thought. It was closer than I thought it was going to be for a while. But Purdy, man, coming back, I love that guy. All right, let's roll this one. Cool. Let's get let's get to the main event of this. Then we'll do Monday Night Football, a quick Monday Night Football little preview. And then we'll do our top 10. We brought back the KB top 10 for you this week. One last switch up. We're going to Jacksonville for the Chargers. We're putting the cinematic acoustic on. Now, actually, you know what? Doug Peterson seems like a rock. I will go to the rock and roll. So here we go. I'm going to go leave this one first because I enjoyed every minute of it. Lawrence looked like a night and day quarterback in the first half. I'm going to admit, I gave up on the Jaguars after that third Asante Samuel interception. Like, I was calling it. I was ready to end the game. I stopped watching. I turned it off. I was at a party. I, I walked off the couch. I started going and playing like beer bong and shit. I come back. I'm like, wait, what? Two scores. I did notice one thing, though, right before half. This. I, I got a weird feeling. So when the Jags scored that touchdown right before half, I look at my buddy. I'm like, ruh row. And he goes, what? I'm like, that's a field goal. They don't win this game. But that was a touchdown. They got a shot going into the second half. And that was that was it, man. That was it. I'm telling you, there was something about that game and how the vibe. They came out of half, and the Chargers looked flat. They looked like they were just trying to coast to the end. They thought it was going to be easy. And Dougie boy had them had them Jaguars humming. They were coming after the, the defense was on point and the Lawrence was just dealing. That touchdown to Zay Jones, I was like, Ooh, oh boy. And that I think every ball he threw was just like NFL throws. Guys were playing great. I don't know how to keep Brandon Staley at this point. The, their offensive play calling went full preseason clock control. And I'm just like, what the hell are you calling? Score a touchdown, this game's over. Uh, yeah, all the um, all the great, more recent playoff um, lead chain or lead, uh, you know, like we we've seen like the Falcons with the whole twenty-eight to three debacle. Um, so you know that the Texans being up 24-0 on the Chiefs in the wild card um, came back at me as I'm watching this team go from 27 to nothing. Yeah, Titans being up 21-zip. 
um, you know, Texans up 24-0. Then all of a sudden you got the um, get the char- you got the Chargers up 27-0. And I'm like, oh, maybe uh, I was like, Brandon Staley is right now sitting pretty tight. I was like, he's he's riding into next week. I was like, when, when's this game? He's safe, in my opinion, for next year. I mean, you just got to win that one playoff game. Everybody's going to think you're you're the greatest thing ever. But um, somehow, somehow still figured out a way to just cough that game up. And, of course, the Spano family is saying we're going to keep them right now. Um, I, I kind of believe it that they're going to keep him because I think if you were going to fire the guy, you would have done it by now. You would have started your search right now, especially if you were going to. I'm sure there's prospects on your mind you're trying to interview and you want to get that done as soon as possible. So the fact yeah. that he's still employed, even though it's only been a day or so, like I, I would have expected it to come out by now. But um, it's it's insane. I don't know how you keep that guy. Um, Jet was it? Uh, Trevor Lawrence had what four interceptions or something like that in the first yeah. half or yeah, so, and four touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know what? It's it's crazy um, to think if the Jets just never beat the Rams that one season with Stafford and everything, they just never beat the Rams. Or is it Jared Goff? Fuck Jared Goff. We could have had hey. Trevor Lawrence, but. <laughs> Well, we also wound up beating the fucking the Browns the following week that wound up going to the second round of the playoffs. So, so there's a lot of things we can. I, I just blame Adam Gase, but um, this this Jaguars team is tough. Doug Peterson, nobody talks about it. Called a fucking amazing game. Like the clock management at the end, where he had that timeout just sitting there waiting for that three. Like you don't see a coach have as good game management as guys like that nowadays. Like I watch my coach scramble to get some time back on the clock. This dude's like. I got five seconds left. I got another timeout. We're good. Let's also, kick like, field goal. This team is a bunch of pros. They're young, but they're like they're they're all big program guys. They were ready yeah. for this. Like the Jags have been playing this kind of game. We lose, we're out all year. They they won five straight to win a division. What's another game against a team that's not taking them serious? Yeah. All right, you Mr. Know, Jack um, Prescott Wi Fi, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, dude. I I don't know how the Chargers blew this game. I was watching with my roommate, and um, you know, come halftime, we're like, "All right, is there like a West Coast NBA game on that's that's about to start?" You know, let's flip it to that because this game's over. I left at halftime to go uh, to go pick up some more beer, and I come back, you know, and the it was basically the end of the third quarter at that point. And the the Jags weren't really, like, back in the game. It seemed like the Chargers were still kind of in control. But, you know, the Jags were just kind of, you know, hanging in. And then, I mean, they just completely unraveled in the fourth quarter. Didn't score any points. Um, and it was all Jags after that. So, you know, you guys touched on the, on the Staley still being employed, man. I mean... I, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I question how much of this is on the Chargers as much as it is, you know, on the Jaguars for just coming back in the game and just winning the game. It's 50 50. I think yeah, and, genuinely this game is 50 50. Yes. And, and so I don't know. It's like a weird, you know, if you're a Chargers fan, you're probably saying Staley, like, I want his freaking head on a stick right now. You know, I'm so upset with this dude. But it's like, at the same time, honestly, like the Chargers just kind of flushed the first half and we're like, you know what? We got nothing to lose here, man. Let's just try and go out there and make it a game. Like, And to be honest, when you throw four, four first half picks, it's not even like the Chargers offense is like killing you. 
I mean, it's just Lawrence is making some crummy 50-50, you know, passes that aren't going his way. And the, you know, the Chargers defense is just kind of taking advantage of those throws. It's not like Herbert was just like cooking in the first half. So, I mean, I don't know what to make of it, man. That was just pitiful, though, that, that they coughed up that, you know, 27 nothing lead. Like, I don't know how you do that, man. That's like some college. That's like some college-level choke artist kind of stuff. Like, that just – you just don't see that in the NFL, let alone the playoffs, man. That doesn't happen. That being said, as we move on to talk more about football towards the end, like right real quick before we do our top 10, because we kind of really touched on this game a lot on our Thursday show. We'll kind of reiterate it a little bit. Um, final notes on this game, definitely the best of the weekend. I think this gets the crown. I think this is the most entertaining one. I mean, Buffalo and Miami was more like, how are you idiots losing, almost losing to the <laughs> Dolphins? And then last night's game was fun, but I was so tired. I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Um, and then the—I mean, honestly—they weren't all bad. But I think the, it was just the epic comeback that gave it that gives us the, the crown of the week. Unless this game does it, but that being said, uh, Leonard Fournette wearing his playoff Lenny hoodie, Bucks by fourteen. <laughs> this is a um, this is it's a fun game because this is a game where like I, I've been like we've said or I've said uh, this any team can win this game, and it's just not the whole any given Sunday bullshit kind of thing. Like no, like legit, like the the Cowboys could easily walk in and just take this over offensively and defensively. And the, the bucks can do the same exact thing. So it's really going to be like a, I really don't know who's going to win this one. I don't think anybody has the actual advantage right now, besides having home field advantage. But I think the back, I think the, uh, the Cowboys had the better defense and I think the Cowboys might slightly have a little better of an offense. I think they have a quarterback that's a little younger, can move around more, can throw the ball a little farther. Um, just somebody who's not 45 years old, pretty much, obviously. But, um, I mean, C.D. Lamb, obviously, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans is a better tandem than C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup or C.D. Lamb and T.Y. Hilton. Um, I think they got the better tight end if you want to analyze both things. But I like the Cowboys in this one. I just got that feeling. I think, you know, Dak Prescott's going to definitely throw one or two picks, most likely. Um, Tom Brady can also throw three or four on his own. Um, I think they got the better high-powered offense. I think they got the better high-powered younger defense, and I think that's going to show tonight. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it could be one of those things where it's like a 23-20, to 23-17 type game. Um, But it's so weird just talking about it because, like I said, this is such a, in my opinion, like an even game. Nobody really has anything that's more, that stands out more than the other. I mean, both teams' run games have been on and off. I would say both teams' run games has been more of a passing kind of thing where they've been dumping the ball off to Fournette, and more often they dump the ball off to Tony Pollard. And, you know, Zeke gets the bulk of the rushing, but nobody's rushing is really more superior than the other. Receiver-wise, I mean, I think CeeDee Lamb's the best one in this whole in this whole game. And then, obviously, you have Mike Evans that can do damage as well. Um, so it's pretty even in my opinion, but I think the, I think the Cowboys are going to take this one. I just got that little gut feeling. It's weird. So the A and the AFC, we have the big three. We knew that we're going to be there. We have the Bengals, we have the Bills, we have the Chiefs, and the Jags are like, "Hey guys, we're here!" And everyone's <laughs> like, "Wait, what?" Uh, in the in the in the NFC, you have the Eagles and the Niners. We knew they were going to be here, but the two, it's like the Giants. Everyone remember in the beginning of the season it was the three NFC East teams and everyone else. 
if the Cowboys win, it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. It was the three NFC East teams, and then and then the the winner of the West or the South. What it ends up being now, because I think the Vikings, we all knew the Vikings were frauds all year. They 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 got so lucky so many times, and their luck was bound to run out. Um, and once I put up that eleven and 0 one possession games this season graphic, I'm like, they're screwed. <laughs> they're done. <laughs> this game's over. Didn't even kick off yet. It's done. But I just think there's something. I feel a li- I don't think the, I don't think the Bucks are going to do any real damage after this week. I think they're going to walk into San Fran next week and get their head kicked in. But I think the Cowboys may be taking the Bucks lately. I also think this is going to be one of those games where Dak or Zeke or something happens where there's like a bonehead play or just a roughing the passer because one of the guys came off the edge a little too fast and it's going to cost them the game. And it's going to put Brady in field goal range or it's going to get like the Bucks a, a first down to seal it or something like that. There's something that's going to happen at the end of this game. Mark my words. It's going to be like, oh, really? Brady advances on this thing again. And that's what's going to – either that or, you know what, listen, the Cowboys could kick their ass up and down the field. Hmm. You know, I think this is this game's going to come down to who has the better coaching is going to win this game. And you have Todd Bowles, who's more of a conservative-style head coach, somebody that, you know, needs to work on, you know, game management but also doesn't take too many risks, plays a safe, squeaks out the victory, doesn't need to be – doesn't need to be pretty, doesn't need to be, you know, exciting. And then you have Mike McCarthy, who's pretty much like, oh, man, I'm a risk taker. Like, he is the guy you don't want to take gambling advice from because he's going to tell you to go for it every single time you're tell- your gut's telling you not to. And I think that that could bite them in the ass this, uh, tonight. But I think at the end of the day, whoever wins is going to come down to who has a better coaching style for this game. True. All right. Less top tens. You guys ready to do this? So, folks, we amazing. Unless you want to have anything to add about this game tonight. Quickly, I mean, it's it's just hard to, and I think we would all agree, man. Even though Tom is forty five, man, it, it's hard to count this dude out. Like, I know he is is still a shell of himself. Um, what he was even like two seasons ago when they won the Super Bowl. But, I mean, it, it's just in the playoffs at home, man, against a team that he's dominated and beaten all seven times that he's played. It's just – it's hard to count this dude out, man. And, you know, that's that's literally my reasoning behind taking the taking the Bucks tonight. I just I, – I find it hard to sleep on this guy, man. Fair enough. I just this this game to me is just gonna be f- wild. All right, top ten list. So I asked the guys who are your top ten favorite football players of all time. I said two honorable mentions, but I know that's never gonna happen. So I'll do mine first to kind of set the tone. Honorable mention number one is a man who I really didn't care much about during his playing career. I thought he was hysterical, but never really was a fan. A fan, never like a big fan of his. I liked him though. Um, Pat McAfee. Dude has been a inspiration to me and a lot of broadcasters as a, and podcasters post career. That's why I love Pat so much, and I love his personality. So he's on there. Two guys I loved who were fantasy home run hitters and Madden home run hitters for me in Madden leagues: CJ2K and Julio Jones. Both were so much fun to play with Madden, and both were so helped me win Madden tournaments, helped me win fantasy tor- fantasy leagues. I love them both. 
Then a little uh, trifecta of Eagles on the defense that I love. I got to give a little love to Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, and Darius Slate. Darius Slate I loved before he came to the Eagles, so when he was here, loved me more. Ten, tie between A.J. Brown and Devontae. I cannot pick between the two of them. I love them both equally. They're both great receivers, and they're both fun as hell. Nine, my favorite non-Eagle besides the two above him when I was growing up, I had his jersey, and I wore it all the time, Chad Ochocinco, slash Chad Johnson. This man was so much fun to watch. Everyone talks about Devontae Adams. This guy was Devontae Adams before Devontae Adams. You want to watch the tape? This dude was just as big, just as fast, just as quick as Devontae. But you could not cover him. He was a receiving yards machine. It didn't matter who was chucking the damn ball. Eight, the mascot of the Philadelphia Eagles, the man with the greatest parade speech of all speech of all time, hosts a damn good podcast, and apparently he's now a Christmas singer. That is Jason Kelsey. <laughs> Love this man. Everything he does turns to gold. And he's just the heart and soul. It'll be a very sad day when he retires. Um, one of the few like career eagles. This guy, when he retires, he'll beat an eagle, and that's it. Number seven, Asante Samuel. I loved this dude when he came to Philadelphia. I was hype as hell, and just whenever he needed a big pick, big interception, he did it. Playing for Mesa's Patriots, he was unstoppable as well. He was even low key good against the uh, when he was on the uh, Falcons. It kind of broke my heart when we couldn't get his kid in the draft, and you can obviously see why. Um, number six is the squirrel dance himself. Maybe it's because it's Miami days. Maybe it's because I just love watching him play. I love Ray Lewis, man. I love his intensity. I loved how he just kind of was like that intimidating presence on the field. Number five is Uncle Ed, my favorite hurricane of all time. I loved watching him and uh, was like my bailout when I – listen, if I need to beat my buddies in Madden, Dude, that Ravens defense from like 2008 to like 2012 was unstoppable. And I just had Ed Reed just roaming in center field. So I Four is the man, the myth, the legend, and my uh, phone background rocking a Kobe Bryant McNabb jersey. Um, that's uh, Mr. Hurts himself. Gotta love this man. I love everything about his attitude, his leadership, his demeanor, the way he handles himself. And- almost every situation. And the fact that this man's emotions don't change from start to finish in the game. They could be up 30, they could be down 30. He still has that like just like that 30 yard I'm gonna kill you there. Uh three D Jacks, Miracle to Meadowlands. Just enough said. Uh two is Shady, one of the most fun players I've ever watched in my life. And it broke my heart when he got traded. Number one, it, it is anyway surprised it's Brian Dawkins. Okay. Like this man is when you think Philadelphia Eagles, he's the first thing you think of. This man decapitated more tight ends and receivers than any other human being. He was the hardest of defense. He had an amazing intro. And, it, like, 2008, we should have won a Super Bowl for him. And I just he was just so much fun. His intensity and the way he played the game, it just was inspiring as hell. Nice. Yeah, who would have thought that would have been your number one? I never would have got it. <laughs> um. I got a couple of honorable mentions on my list. A bunch of Jets, obviously. Um, Braylon Edwards, Santonio Holmes, uh, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, David Harris. These are guys that, besides like Braylon Edwards and Santonio Holmes, these are guys that you don't really know unless you were a Jets fan. Like DeBrickashaw Ferguson was a, I believe, a, a first-round draft pick of ours from 2006. Um, same year we took Nick Mangold. Um, same draft, I believe. Um, this guy missed like one snap. 
his entire career. And that was because they took him out on a play because the, the design play didn't involve him in the game. So he, he only missed like one snap in his entire career ring of honor for the jets. One of the best linemen they've had in the two thousands era. Um, David Harris is an underrated linebacker for us. He, Oh, he led the, the um, he led the team in tackles pretty much every year. He was like a modern day um, CJ Mosley for us, but back like 10, you know, 10 years, 10, 12 years ago. Um, Braylon Edwards and Antonio Holmes is arguably the best wide receiver duo that the Jets have had in the last 20 years. It was fun watching them play on the field oh, yeah. together. Um, and then the last one, well, we got Wayne Corbett and Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie just has a little special place in my heart because he was just, he may not have been the world's greatest corner when we had him. We got him towards the tail end of his career. Um, the second time around we got him, it was pretty bad, but he was just such a fan favorite and he loved the team. He loved the fan base. Same with Wayne Corbett. He was pretty much the Jets' Julian Edelman. Nobody, he was not supposed to make it. He was like 5'10", 5'9", 100, whatever pounds. 1995, uh, undrafted free agent rookie, played with the Jets for about 11 seasons. Um, The heart and soul of that team. All right, let's start the list. Number 10, Joe Namath. He has to be on my list. He's the reason why my team has one Super Bowl and one Super Bowl only, um, because he sold his soul to the devil, and this man's going to live until he's about 98 years old, and then he'll die, and then our quarterback that we draft in 2034 will win us a Super Bowl like three years later. Um, Mark Gastineau, number nine, one of the heart and souls of the sack exchange of the legendary eighties, New York jets, defensive line man held the sack record for like 20 years until, uh, Michael Strahan broke it in the early two thousands. Um, I believe he had 20 and a half or 20 sacks and Michael Strahan broke it by half sack, something like that. Um, but legendary guy should be in the hall of fame, but he's not, which also leads to number eight, Joe Klecko. It was the other heart and soul of that 80 sack exchange team who is the only player in NFL history to have a pro bowl at three different positions on the defensive line. Um, also is going to be in the hall of fame this year. Very excited to see that number seven is Nick Mangold. Nick Mangold is like the jets, Jason Kelsey. He is hilarious. He makes a lot of appearances with the fans. He loves us. He has his own little barbecue sauce, which is great. You have a big giant center with a giant, like blonde beard and hair and he just has his own sauce company who just walks around just handing out his barbecue sauce i think that's hilarious um is active on twitter is active with the fans just a great genuine human being ironically plays center as well um great man. The best people oh yeah um number five we're gonna get into a little bit of a, a running or number six i'm sorry we're gonna get into a running back streak we have curtis martin who's my all-time favorite new york jets running back of all time Played for a team that's not to be named before us um, with Bill Parcells. Um, came over to us. Um, I love the man. He was electric. Just watching him play when I was a young kid and always making sure that he was on my Madden team no matter what team I played. It was just something I'll always remember doing. Um, number five, Adrian Peterson. Might be the best running back I've seen in my lifetime um, of being just able different. to actually watch. Just different. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, you've seen, like, I know we've seen, like, Derrick Henry hit 2,000 yards, CJ2K hit 2,000 yards, but Adrian Peterson was so special that he was the only one that ever came within nine yards of beating Eric Dickerson's all-time rushing record in the season. I don't think I've ever seen a running back actively mid-stride go from second to third gear and just blow by defenders. Yeah. And I'm just like, he's also a tank, too. Like, I'm like. Yeah, and he had that torn ACL, and everybody was saying he's not going to be the same, and he came back better. I mean, this guy was pumping out, you know, 800-yard seasons at 35, 30-whatever, filling in with the commanders, filling in with the Lions. Like, this dude was putting up numbers post-33, like Frank Gore. Top 
top four running back of all time. He's on the Mount Rushmore, yeah. no question. Oh, yeah. And then number four, he's not a top running back of all time, but Marshawn Lynch was special. Like, he, just watching him play, loaded. you can't hate the guy. I mean, he, none of nothing he says makes sense when he does his pressers or anything, which is hilarious to me. Like, I'm just here so I don't get fined, boss. But, like, he was so elusive, and he was, like, the definition of a power back. Like any modern day, like the like me watching Chris Ivory play, who was like a power back. Like he was just shoving off defenders, stiff arm and running down the field. Derrick Henry, too. You can't seal you can't see that style of play right now without thinking of Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, we're gonna go into Deion Sanders, prime time. One of the only guys to play multiple sports at the same time. Played for the Jets, not Jets, I'm sorry, played for the Yankees, and uh, I believe played for the Braves as well. Played for a plethora of um, NFL teams, but just all time, just one of the most iconic and elusive corners of, that we've ever seen. Number two is not to be on anybody's list, but I just, he just played a very important part in my fantasy leagues 10 years ago and also just in general watching him play. But Des Bryant was like a different human being of a receiver. I mean, this, there was times where Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas are the, the two best receivers the NFL had in those like late 2010, early 2010 era. But right around senior um, high school, first year of college. Yeah, like, yeah there was times where they were talking about who's going to get the biggest contract, Des Bryant or Demar- Demarius Thomas, and A.J. Brown stepped or um, Tony Brown stepped in as well. But he was just special. This man, there was not one catch that he could not make. And he really, like, to me, I, I really think, like, he made 88. He helped take 88 to the next step. Like, Michael Irvin solidified, Drew Pearson and Michael Irvin solidified. If yeah. you're special, you were 88. But Des Bryant took it to another level. Like, you need oh, yeah. to just fight for it. Like, I really hope Traylon Burks is the next Des Bryant. That's, that was my pro cop. I said, this kid on tape looks like o- OSU Des Bryant. Yeah, I really hope he turns into it because, like, watching Des, even though it was for the other team, I really wanted him to work out with the Ravens because I wanted him to play for a team I actually enjoyed. But it was like, dude, like watching him play, I was like, dude, this is like a master class of how to be a big physical receiver. Like yeah. AJ Brown is the only thing I can think of. Like he's like a hybrid of Des and To, where it's just like this dude is going to beat you up and outrun you to the end zone afterward. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, I think those kind of receivers are the ones we should appreciate the most because they're so unique where you have guys like Julio who are bigger and more physical, but they're also rockets or Megatron. But who's your number one? Matt? Uh, my number one on my list is Darrell Revis. Um, in my, I mean, you know, everybody's going to say what they want to say, but modern day, one of the best shutdown corners of all time, best corner in jets history okay. easily. Um, first ballot hall of famer, um, you know, played about six or seven seasons with us, went to Tampa Bay, um, Rumor has it he took a one-year hiatus. Nobody knows where he went after that. I heard he won a ring. Didn't I don't know anything about it. Came back to the Jets <laughs> for a couple of years. Um, but nah, man, just just one of the best corners I've ever grew up watching. I just like Sauce Gardner, man. I, to me, really feels like he's the next to Rod Revis. But he was in a special era, Revis, with like him and guys like Richard Sherman, who were just in Patrick Peterson, just all shut down guys at that time. You know, you don't they don't always make them like that anymore. But he was special, and uh, that's my number one. Favorite like, player of all like time. in Madden, it was like you went quarterback, you went at least one good offensive lineman, one good receiver, a good edge rusher, and you need a lockdown corner. There's about mm-hmm. 10 of them, and he was one of them. He mm-hmm. was the best. Yeah, I remember that's when my list. Madden 11, he was the only 99 overall. Yeah, he man, him from when he was drafted from a seven from 2007 to like 2012. Man, that dude was on another dude. Level. I got the first overall pick in one of our Madden leagues one year, and I got Revis. I think my number two corner was uh. It might, it might have been like Sante or something like that, but like, dude, like I literally, he didn't get in a single interception the entire year, 
but I think he had like 50 pass deflections. It was insane. Like nothing. Mm -hmm. It was like thrown to a rock wall. Mace, take us home, buddy. Who is your top 10 all-time players? How many cheaters are on this list? So um, I don't have any honorable mentions. I'm just going 10 to 1. So 10, um, I've known this kid since I was probably six or seven years old. Went to middle school with him. He went to my high school. Um, For a portion of time, we went to the same elementary school. He was the grade above me. Uh, You guys probably don't know him. His name is Grant Delpit. He's a safety. I know he is. Cleveland Browns. Went to LSU. Um, he was an All-American there multiple times. So just had to throw that guy on the list because I've, I've known him since I was a really small kid. So mm. it's very cool seeing him in the league now and, you know, just him do all these great things. Uh, number nine, I've got Debo Samuel. Um, this guy is just so much fun to watch, man. Um, such a unique player. He can do it all. You know, he's got great hands. He's incredibly fast. Um, he can line up anywhere on the field, and and he is just really, really fun to watch. Uh, so nine – or uh, sorry, eight and seven, I've got a, a couple Patriot defensive legends. I've got Asante Samuel and Ty Law. Both of these guys were crucial to the first set of three rings that we won um, when Brady was just kind of starting out. Um, as you guys both kind of touched on Asante, he was – he was locked down, man. He was so good. Um, you know, had multiple interceptions in in um, Super Bowls or playoff games leading up to Super Bowl victories, and and they they would, you know, quite frankly, they would not have been able to win a few of those Super Bowls without him on the team, man. Oh, one more time, <laughs> oh, the poor kid. Maybe they go figure it out. I mean, when we stop moving. Oh, man, I can't believe he didn't think we knew who Grant Delpit was. Yeah, I remember who it was. Took me a second one. Like, yeah. I, I thought he was going to spit good. some wild shit out. Be like, yeah, you know, Wes Welker. Be like, what? <laughs> well, either way. Um, let's see if he comes back. Um I think I spelled froze wrong. Whatever. Cute. I'm this is frozen, Matt. I passed. I was so. I've been so tired the last couple of days, dude. I passed out in the third quarter. I think I fell asleep. I'm laying on my bed. I got ghost laying on my shoulder, and usually I don't like like when he lays on top of me while I'm sleeping. There he is. All right, sorry guys. I'll, I'll continue. So it, you were at eight. Yeah. Enough of those two guys. Six. I've got my man Lamar. Um, he is one of a kind, man. He was, he was special in college. He is special now. Um, there, there's not a quarterback like him, man. He is, he is the true definition of a dual threat. And, um, you know, outside of any Patriots guys right now in the league, he's easily my favorite player. Number five, Randy Moss, you know, he was, he was crazy, man. I mean, he was, he was the definition of, of just a number one receiver, man. Mm-hmm. He could go up and, and catch 50-50 balls. He was fast. I mean, he could bully you at the line. He could get open in any way. I mean, he was he was awesome, man. Um, and growing up as a, as a young Patriots fan, dude, he was so much fun to watch when he came over. 
Uh, number four, a guy who just got elected into the Hall of Fame, Willie McGinnis. He is just, you know, he is a Patriot guy, man. Um, he, him and Gronk and Edelman are just, they, they are the, the definition of this sort of belt. Bill Belichick, Patriots, Robert Kraft era, man. Um, you know, Willie McGinnis, he, he, was, he was awesome. Just a great linebacker, um, a really awesome leader. He was he was fantastic. Uh, number three and two, I've got Edelman and then Gronk. You know, Edelman, you kind of briefly touched on on the guy from the Jets who was similar. Matt um, wasn't supposed to make it at all. Just a, uh, the type of guy that really anyone can root for. Um, fun to watch. Very unique skill set. Incredibly hard worker. Um, just a fun story. And then Gronk, you know, in my opinion, best tight end ever. Just so dominant, man. Um, so unique. So good. Uh, just a joy to watch. And then number one, you could probably guess. Tom Tommy! Brady. You know, the GOAT, man. I mean, it's just so self-explanatory as to why, for me, he's number one on the list. Um, he's the guy that, that made me start rooting for the Patriots. He's the reason why I – honestly got into football why i started watching the nfl um another amazing story yeah you know i I don't know some people hate him some people like him i used to but it's kind of like that quote from anchorman where it's like god damn it i respect you (laughs) right exactly i mean at this point in his career it's like you know you look back and you know you see all the records that this guy has set and shattered and and all of the things that he's done while he's been playing and it's like, you know, you might not like him, but you know, you've got to respect the stats and everything that he's done for, you know, just kind of like the game, man. Like, I mean, without this dude, like where would the NFL be? So he's my number one, you know, just the goat, man. There you go. It's, I got it's, two it's stories about two of the guys on your list. So one, I have a soft spot in my heart for William McGinnis. Because when my cousin, she was in the hospital for like two months. She had she had something horrible happen to her medically, and she's she's fine now, but she was in the hospital for two months. You know, the first, a, a bunch of Patriots players came in to visit like people in the Boston Children's Hospital. Um, William McGinnis came in, and I never realized how big this dude was until standing next to my five foot. No, she was like she's five foot now. So like my like my tiny cousin standing next to this monster human being. But like I get, it was like one of the big biggest things. She's always been a Patriots fan ever since. I think she had a McGinnis jersey growing up too. Um, but Randy Moss may have one of my favorite quotes of all time. I, tell him, Mama, I was born ready, came out the womb ready. I'm like, you can't, you can't like, teach that shit. Yeah. Dude. Besides Brian Dawkins saying he wanted to take Greg Jennings' soul, I think that's number two. Um, I, I like, I just Randy clips of Randy Moss always make me smile, man. And he's one of those guys, like, I wish I got, like, when I had, I have an ultimate team for the, and I got to put him on my Eagles. I know it was just for, like, ultimate team, but, man, that felt good throwing that ball. And I remember, um, 04, I wanted Moss over T.O. Because I wanted McNabb just chucking yaks to freaking Randy down the field. Because everyone forgets this. McNabb had a bazooka. Like, Everyone like everyone thinks about Mahomes. Like who's Mahomes? Like Mahomes is basically a better version of McNabb, with less injuries and less bullshit. Like McNabb and Mahomes are both improvisers, semi-mobile, 
not overly huge and just have absolute like howitzers on their shoulder. So, but yeah, no, Randy Moss was so much fun to watch. He uh, was, I mean, I, you know, I, me being younger than you guys, I kind of barely remember him, but you know, he was so good that it, you know, me being a small kid at the time, it's like, how could you, how could you forget him? You know, even if you, even if he wasn't on your team, man, I mean, he was that special. He was so, I mean, like you just, you couldn't cover him, man. Like he was, he was insane. Insane. Yeah, just, uh, just, there's very few guys where I will go to a TV to watch every deck, every generate, every season is about four or five guys. Luckily for me, one of them is on my team this year, which kind of makes me, I like, like watching Jalen Hurts, watching Josh Allen, watching Holmes, watching um, Justin Jefferson, um, Saquon. There's a, there's about ten guys every year who are like the must watch dudes. Like Randy Moss was that guy every season he was on the field until he probably played to the Titans and 49ers that season we forget. Um, mm-hmm. But like he was that guy, yeah. which was so cool. Revis was that guy too. Like I just he he put on a master class of how to cover people. Absolutely. Yeah, they didn't yeah. give him an I mean, island for no reason. Yeah, right. right. Like even like like Shady and DJX, like they were my favorite players, not just because they were like Eagles players. No, because like when they were on the goddamn field, you watched. I remember Shady jukes out an entire defense against the Jets, reverses field, and takes it 50 yards up the sideline for a touchdown. I'm like, that's like some Madden shit. Where like Deshaun on a out route, a five-yard out route to get a first down, a fourth and four. Smokes Terrence Newman, who is one of the fastest corner corners in football. Smokes him. And then falls backwards into the end. Like, there's just moments like this. Randy Moss is my football game. Mason, you were too young for this. Maybe Matt can remember it. Three catches, 150 yards, and three right. touchdowns. Like, that, you mm-hmm. can't make that stat line up. I think it was one of the first football games I ever watched. And I'm like, dude, it's like he's, it's like, it's like a video game. Yeah, he was special, especially in the early or the late 2000, or I'm sorry, late 90s when he was paired up with Chris Carter, um, and they had Randall Cunningham, I believe, for a little bit of time. I wish that was a, a you know, a true. And then, then Dante Culpepper. Yeah, but no, he was he was special, especially I mean, you go to the Patriots, he paired Randy Moss up with Tom Brady. You're like, holy fuck, like. So it was nice to see him go. It just it sucks that that year that we don't see we don't speak of is because he went from like the Patriots to the Titans back to the uh, to the Vikings and then to the Niners that one year that was when you just saw the big decline of Randy Moss. But yeah. he, he was a special guy to see. Right. Uh, a legend of the game, man. I mean, all those guys that you talked about too, uh, Jared. I mean, they just they they don't come around, man. Like they it it is so infrequent that you see guys. Like Randy Moss, like Darrell Revis, you know that they, they come once in a generation, man, Andre and that Johnson. is it. Andre Johnson, you're from yeah. Houston, Mason, dude. Like I had to tell these kids in my gym who were lifting with me. The high school kids were like, "Oh, you played football? Let me go lift with you." And I'm working out. I'm like, dude, like one of my favorite guys to watch when I was a kid was Andre Johnson. And they're like, "Who?" I'm like, right. "Bro, imagine yeah, a guy. Man. Imagine a guy who's a like, imagine AJ Brown, but bigger and faster." Like this dude ran, had like Julio Jones' speed, but was built like Travis Kelsey. It wasn't fair. I wa- yeah. I remember my favorite memory was, I was I think it was like I was like eighth grade. This dude catches a screen pass as the game's expiring from Matt Schaub, houses it seventy yards, 
against the Jags to walk it off against David Garrard. Like back when the Jags were good, I was like, like that's a screen pass he just took to the house 60 yards. But we could go on and on. We could do a nostalgia podcast. We may, hey, listen, during the offseason, we may have to do that. We'll make our, we'll make our, our like, we'll make like our all time Madden draft team. Um, that being said, boys and girls, we appreciate you stopping by today. Enjoy Monday Night Football for the Bucks and Cowboys. Welcome back, Playoff Lenny. That's my dog, baby. Um, but also, we will see you guys Thursday. No Matt this week. He will text his picks in. It'll be me, Mason, Brent from Rising to the Occasion. Also, congratulations to Brent, one of the newest members of the Belly Management Group. He is now running our intern department. Um, and, of course, hopefully if you guess, maybe I'll get with Duke, maybe DJ. We'll, we'll fuck around find out, see what happens. But, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you stopping by. Enjoy the game. And we'll talk Thursday. Deuces. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.